Fantasy Baseball today, a very important show. We have breaking news about Dustin Pedroia. We're going to get to it right now on Wednesday, August 31st. And I'm going to let Al Melchior take this news because you're the one who brought it to our attention. That's right, and it's a major scoop, so <laughs> listen closely. This just in, Dustin Pedroia is really, really short. Yeah, this is more of a video note if you're watching our video. But we have a graphic up right now called Dustin vs. Little League. And it compares his height to the height of participants in the Little League World Series. Yeah, and even more so than listing the heights, I think the best part is <laughs> at the top, which clearly isn't to scale because <laughs> you got the guy on the right. He's like three times as small as the guy on the left, and that's just not right. Yeah, but that guy who's you know three times as small is Dustin Pedroia. And uh, they're comparing his height to uh, several different little leaguers. This is, by the way, a, a graphic that's made its way around the web. The source is uh, www.pointstreak.com. And uh, he is Pedroia at his listed height, which, you know, we're, I think, a little skeptical I'm of. very skeptical of 5'9". Five five shorter than what looks like about a dozen different little leaguers from different <laughs> teams, different countries. We got some 6'0 guys here, 5'11", 5'10", all taller. Pretty exciting finish to that Little League World Series. Did you see that? I did not. Walk-off hit for California in, si in the sixth inning. It looked pretty exciting. Yeah, was, I, I didn't watch. Those fellas seemed pretty excited. <laughs> I think they formed the pile, which is something you see in baseball they, they quite often. They deserved a pile. It was warranted. Yeah. Well, since, since I didn't watch it, I probably missed out on the next Sean Burroughs. Yes. Oh, good story about Sean Burroughs, by the way. I saw on... Uh, Little Pedro Gomez feature, I think, on SportsCenter. If you have a chance to look that one up, it's worth seeing if you're a baseball fan. Let's start the show. Three up, three down rotation. Here we go on Wednesday, Fantasy Baseball Today. Send us an email at dmfantasybaseball at cbs.com. D is in Dice K, M is in Matsuzaka. I've run out of originality there uh, for, for months now. Three up number one is Mike Trout. Mike Trout had a chance to make history and become the youngest player ever to hit three home runs in one game, but he had to settle for two. He is 9 for 21 since being recalled with four homers in that time, uh, owning 37% of leagues. One thing, though, he's not stealing bases. I'm not sure if that's a concern. Well, it seems like there's a lot of guys that we've talked about who are stolen base threats who go on these droughts. So, if uh, I don't know. know, but he's not doing it at all. He has one yeah, all year. One. And that's a team that likes to run, the Angels, so that is a little hard to figure. I'm going to say that none of this, um, either the surge in home runs or the lack of steals, is surprising. Um, I, you know, obviously I was in the group that said Trout's going to struggle at 19, but at the same time, his success isn't surprising to me either. He didn't hit for a lot of power in the minors, but obviously he's somebody the Angels expect to hit in the middle of their batting order as he grows up. And, and we've seen this from other prospects in the past. Chipper Jones never hit more than 15 homers in the minors, comes up and hits 23 right away. Hanley Ramirez never hit more than eight, comes up, hits 17 right away. For some reason, these really high-profile players don't – it's like when they come to the majors, something just immediately clicks in them, and they're able to do – Competition. I, that might be it. I don't know if maybe uh, the pitcher's throwing harder or, or – Throwing more strikes, too, I think. Yeah, there's some of that probably going on, too. So I, I don't think it's it's something we should dismiss as, the, as a fluke and, and, and the stealing bases thing. I mean, anytime you look at uh, – that number declining for a player who you know is capable of doing it. It's a decision-based stat. It, the Angels are in competition. If they don't think it makes sense strategically to send Trout, um, the 
the times he's on first base, they're not going to. In the minors, it's not as much of a concern because, you know, it, it's about developing players so he can just run wild because winning and losing doesn't make as much of a difference. But uh, So I, I wouldn't say you need to worry about him not stealing bases over his career, and I wouldn't say you no. need to worry about these home runs. No, not over his career, All right, but I'm just talking about the rest of the, the season here. Yeah. Because people are picking him up. He's owned in 37% of leagues. Trout or Peter Borges? I, I'm still going to go with Borges. I, I mean, the other thing you got to look at with Trout, this was the second time he started in seven games. And I would think that number would increase after this performance, but it, it's clear he's not an everyday player. And with the veterans they have in their outfield, it, he shouldn't be. So I look at him kind of the way we looked at Yonder Alonso yesterday. We're, we're looking at what he could be for your fantasy team next year more than anything. Well, frankly, if he goes and he hits 100 rest of the way, I don't think that should really affect his value that much. He is 19. True, but know, it, it might make a difference whether he's a middle rounder next year or a late rounder next year. Suppose, yeah. Three up number two is Indians third baseman Jack Hanahan. He's hot. 18 for 42 with 10 runs batted in in his last 13 games. And he's basically unowned, Al. Yeah, he's got a little bit of pop in his bat, too. But, um, you know, he had a nice streak to start the season. Went cold, lost a lot of playing time, especially when Chisholm was recalled. You know, now his value is back on the upswing. But, you know, really, it's a little bit of an arc for him. But he's still an AL-only guy. Maybe should be owned in a few more leagues. Waiver wire closers are three up number three, and I don't know why. I was just looking at the scores last night, noticed Sergio Santos gets a save. He's got 28. Fernando Salas earned his 23rd save. Craig Kimbrell and John Axford lead baseball with 40 saves. I'm, I'm not sure if we projected that, but basically I just wanted to get your guys' thoughts now. Looking back, seeing the closer situation, and if you could go back to draft day, would you change anything? What would your strategy be? drafting closers i would not change a thing uh because from what? every from generally waiting on closers unless you have an opportunity to get a brian wilson or heath bell or mariano rivera Papelbon, somebody like that um you know there's a small number of guys who are consistent year to year the rest of it really is a risk and while we had guys like axford and uh somebody we talked about yesterday jj puts you know we thought that they were nice sleepers mm -hmm. there was still risk involved with both guys and you know in both cases it's paid off but not much risk is where i go with that i i've always been in the category never owned mariana rivera on a fantasy team mm -hmm. uh never owned jonathan papelbon either, even though he hasn't been around as long. Then I, I never get the early round closer. And the reason I say there wasn't that much risk with them, Axford 15th draft, drafted reliever in head-to-head -head leagues. Mm -hmm. Craig Kimbrell 21st drafted reliever in head-to-head -head leagues. We both had them pegged as sleepers. We had J.J. Putz pegged as sleepers. Um, and uh, they've been... They've been the best closers in fantasy. And then you throw in the Santoses and the Salas, Fernando Salases, who weren't even on anybody's radar at the beginning of the season. And you're doing just fine with them if you have them as your relief pitcher now. So I, uh, I'm even more sold on waiting on closers than I was coming into the season, which, you know, I was pretty sold on to begin with. Let's look at three down now. Three down number one, Placido Polanco. Man, looked at the game log yesterday, was surprised to see not one extra base hit in 19 games. 
Now, there have been some injuries there, uh, but still, he's just not hitting for any power. Owen in 65% of leagues only started in 33%. Yeah, and that's a number 65% ownership that probably could stand to go down a little bit. And this is definitely a, a change of position for me because I remember we had a discussion about him. I want to say it was maybe two, three weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, I think right around the time he went on the DL with the sports hernia. And I thought, but, you know, this is a guy who plays hurt, is really consistent year to year, and I thought he was still somebody you could trust in standard mix leagues and I have completely changed my tune on that because those stats that I was looking at three or so weeks ago were really heavily weighted by a great April. Since April, I mean, I'll go a bit farther back than the 19 games, Adam. Since April, Polanco really hasn't produced much at all. Okay. Three down, number two. You know what? Hanahan or Polanco? Uh, I'd say Hanahan just because I, I trust him to stay healthier and to play more. Three down, number two is Aaron Crow. Aaron Crow gave up a game-winning or losing home run last night. I only bring him up because he'll be a starter next year. And we talked about Yonder Alonso last week as a guy in, in keeper leagues wouldn't be a bad person to, to pick up. You feel the same way about Aaron Crow? Is he a sleeper going into next year? I think definitely he is. They they pretty much said he is going to be a starter next year. And he's been so successful out of the bullpen that – there, there's always an ongoing debate about whether or not it, it helps or hurts top pitching prospects to start him in relief before moving him onto the rotation. I think in this case it's going to hurt because he already knows he can uh, get major leaguers out, and he's already been to the All-Star game. He's already had tasted success, knows what it's like, and, and I think the transition's going to go pretty smoothly for him. So, so I think help. Yeah, I think it'll help him. Oh, you said hurt. Okay. Well, I said it wrong then. Okay. It's going to be a good thing for Crow. <laughs> I, I think Crow's going to be a sleeper next year. All right. Brandon Belt is three down, number three, and he's owned in 30% of leagues. Fantasy points in the last three weeks, 11, 11, 8, went over three on Tuesday. Are you done thinking he can do anything for you this year? This um, year. I'm not done uh, counting on Brandon Belt. Uh, now, he's only owned in 30% of leagues, so it's not like he's being trusted in all that many mixed leagues to begin with. Right. But especially in those deeper formats, um, he's done some nice things. He has five home runs and just 128 at-bats. That's that's a nice, not a great ratio for a first baseman, but good enough for, for a deeper league. Uh, and he's drawing walks, which is something he did in the minors. So uh, the production isn't quite where we thought it would be with Belt, but I think there's still enough potential there and even enough production that he's already shown us that uh, he's worth something in deeper leagues. He already has a giraffe, a giraffe named after him, too. Does well, so clearly a, more impressive. Click, uh, clearly Six Flags Discovery Kingdom in San Francisco thinks Brandon Belt's going to be around a while because they named a baby giraffe after the baby <laughs> giraffe just yeah. the other day. I would really Little like baby Brandon. A, I would love a giraffe. I would love to have one. Not just while it's baby, like a like, like a little miniature one, like on the TV commercial. Yeah, yeah. It, it makes me wonder, or like the fruit stripe giraffe. <laughs> <laughs> it makes me wonder what's going to be named after Brandon Belt when he's actually good. I don't know, but they have a giraffe and a panda, a more mature giraffe. Team. Yeah. <laughs> okay, the rotation: five pitchers from Tuesday's games. Tim Stauffer, first rotation spot, no good, just not good. 
78% ownership. He was started in 51% of leagues. He just had no control. It was weird. He could not throw strikes. Watching the highlights of that inning where he just kept walking everybody. He went an inning and two-thirds, seven earned runs, seven, wa- seven walks, two strikeouts. <laughs> We've seen some really un like performances from Tim Stauffer the last few weeks, and it's, you know, this is a complete uh, just grasp at straws here, but, I mean, I wonder what his innings count is now compared to maybe past seasons because something, something strange is going on here. He's a guy who, up until I'd say three, four weeks ago, was – remarkably consistent. Then he goes and has two games where he gives up a combined total of eight home runs, which doubled his total for the whole season. And then a guy who's got pretty good control completely loses it like this. So I don't know if he's wearing down. I I don't know what to make of it other than maybe that. Probably can't trust him right now. Uh, I would say not, no. Jair Jurgens, can you trust him? He was bad. Six innings, six runs. Uh, His previous start was six and a third scoreless against the Cubs, but the two starts prior to that one, Five innings, five runs. Six innings, five runs. And even that six and a third scoreless against the Cubs wasn't good. He gave up 13 base runners, I think it was, in the six and a third innings. So got extremely lucky in that game. And we just haven't seen a good start from him since since the first half, I think, when he was so dominant and, and pretty much an ace for your fantasy team. So this is looking like one radical... Uh, uh, statistical market correction is the word I'm looking for. I think his ERA is still under three. Yeah, it right. is. It's like so, from one point something. Yeah, yeah. From yeah. One, so I, he's somebody I, I think I need to see a good start from him again before I trust him in a mixed league lineup. Anthony Swarzak, third in the rotation. Not good. Four and a third. Six earned on six hits against the White Sox. Yeah, I guess that's why I said strictly for deeper leagues when talking about him. Because he's not a very good pitcher and <laughs> just happened to be pitching well is what it boils down to. But Javier Vasquez is, uh, every time he pitches, we talk about him the next day because he's, he opens eyes. Seven innings, six strikeouts, one walk, three hits, and he did not allow a run against the Mets. And he is still owned in just 57% of leagues and only started in 35%. Yeah, those numbers need to go up. He has been as good and as reliable as just about anybody lately. Certainly anybody on the Marlins staff, but we don't need to give him faint praise like that. Uh, <laughs> he's just been really good lately. So, uh, And with the Marlins struggling, you know, you've got to be very good to, to get a W uh, when the Marlins struggling offensively is what I mean. So, uh, yeah, and, and good news for Vasquez owners potentially, too. Um, Jack McKeon is looking at starting either Ricky Nolasco or Anibal Sanchez uh, on short rest uh, I want to see it's either Friday or Saturday, whatever day it is. If that happens, Vasquez would start Sunday, giving him a second start this week. I would. I mean, at this point, I definitely starting him over Jair Jurgens. Yeah, yeah, I would absolutely. Yeah. The numbers since May twenty first, we always got to do this. <laughs> you do it every time, every time. <laughs> the Javier Vasquez since the update. velocity went up. Yes, three thirty six ERA, one twelve WHIP, eight point three strikeouts per nine innings, and that's, I'll sign up. That's for that. an ace, Scott Feldman, Al. Your quick pitch, he threw six scoreless innings, allowed two hits, struck out four rays. First, uh, Randy Wells. Now, Scott yeah, Feldman, who will be fire. next, I wonder. Uh, but no, good good outing for Feldman. And here's the stat I really like from Tuesday night's game. 15 hit balls in play against Feldman. Not just in play, just uh, period, no home runs. But um, 15, 13 of them grounders. Yeah. That, that is a really nice ratio, and that is what you want to see from Feldman. So what do you think? Still deeper leagues? 
not standard mixed league. I suppose in a two-start week, I would consider him in a standard mixed league now, but one-start guy in AL only in deeper mixed leagues. Better than Anthony Swarzak. <laughs> and better than Anthony Swarzak. How about the injuries, the news, and the notes? Hanley Ramirez, another setback? What's the deal? He felt pain in his shoulder on his rehab assignment, and I think that brings up the question again, is he going to be able to return this year? Because if he's if he's going to shut it down at the first sight of pain, which, you know, I, I, I'm not trying to imply that he, he should be able to play through it. I, I don't know what's going on with him, but just seeing what happened to him last year when that elbow injury shut him down for the rest of the season and with the Marlins out of it, I, I, I don't know that you can count on Hanley Ramirez for the rest of this year. It's something to watch closely. Michael Pineda, he will make three more starts, and then he's getting shut down, so keep that in mind. Three more starts for Michael Pineda. Strasmus is scheduled for September 6th. Steven Strasburg... One more minor league rehab outing, and then September 6th, he should be in the majors. And we have a related note, too, um, because there was a sort of a bridge start where Jordan Zimmerman's no longer available due to his innings limit. Strasburg, of course, now not ready to be promoted till September 6th. So I believe it's Saturday. Scott, correct me if, if I'm wrong on this, that uh, Tom Malone will be the Nat starter bridging that gap. Yeah, that's right. As opposed to Brad Peacock, which is the other, the other. interesting note related to yeah. that. Although both should be coming up September 1st. Steven Strasburg will be blank when he returns. And Fuego, if I can use two you can. Spanish yeah, words. You can. Uh, I'm going to go with usable. Okay. I, I think we'll see the big, the big bounce back next season. Okay. The Indians demote Matt Laporta. They recall Genmar Gomez, and he pitched well. On Tuesday, uh, does he matter for you, Al? Uh, Laporta or Gomez? Uh, oh, Gomez. Um, well, obviously Laporta is not going to matter because he's not playing the major leagues now. Uh, no, Gomez does not matter to me outside of AL only leagues. Justin Morneau. So, if we could rewind to yesterday's show where we talked about what we would do with him next year, where we would take him. Now that he's having more concussion symptoms and he's sitting because of headaches, yeah, I'm staying very far away from him in 2012. So after Eric Cosmer. Oh, yeah. Well, I said yes. I, I said yeah. I wasn't touching him anyway, but this is so major is, is there another first baseman we can slot ahead of him now other than Hosmer? How about uh, Brandon everyone. Belt? Brandon Belt, how about? Um, uh, hmm. No, I don't, I don't think I'd take Belt. Unless Belt just has a crazy last three weeks or something. Yeah. Gabby Sanchez. Yeah, that's an interesting one. I, as it stands right now, you know, obviously, this changes my my feelings right now. Um, I probably would go for Sanchez or Hosmer. I still think we've got a long way to go till next spring. Yeah. So well, this is obviously just speculative, but Ike Davis. Yes. Yes. Uh, yeah. Mark Trumbo. Hmm. I, th I think I'll pass there. Not enough. Upside. I think so too. Okay. Leonis Martin was called up by Texas. We talked about him a lot on Tuesday's show. So go to that one if you want some Elmart. Info And what is Tommy Hansen's timetable, and what do you guys expect from him? Timetable is unclear. Uh, he did meet with uh, Dr. James Andrews, which usually is bad news, but in this case some, I guess, mild good news that um, Dr. Andrews did clear Hansen to start his rehab immediately. And uh, that means that Hansen could start some light tossing within a few days, which clears the possibility that Hansen could return the season, but the key word there is possibility, also possible Hansen doesn't return this year. Scott, better rotation. 
Braves or Yankees? Depends if uh, Tommy Hansen. Well, in. actually, it doesn't <laughs> depend if Tommy Hansen is it. I'll still I'll still take the Braves rotation uh, with. I will too. Tim Hudson, Jair Jurgens, Brandon Beach. Jair Jurgens. I'd rather have Cologne than Jurgens right now. Okay, but Jurgens is actually third because you put Beachy in there, and Nova or Beachy. I would definitely take Beachy. <laughs> okay, yeah. I might take Beachy over Tim Hudson to be honest, <laughs> but I not think, over Sabathia. I think it's no. amazing that Beachy will probably be behind Derek Lowe in the playoff rotation. Yeah, I know. And I agree with you. He could be ahead of Hudson. I, I hope Derek Lowe gets moved to the bullpen for that. He has experience there, so it would it would make some degree yeah. of sense. But I don't know. Okay. More from Around Baseball, and then we'll quick pitch and read some emails. Edwin Jackson against Milwaukee. Seven innings, six hits, one run, no walks, three strikeouts. Started in less than 40% of leagues. Edwin Jackson. This definitely is opening my eyes a bit uh, because he's well he's been a just a crazy inconsistent guy for most of his career he's had some consistency in this short time with st louis that said if i'm looking at my lineup uh you know particularly the playoffs and i want the most reliable guys in there i still will have a hard time putting jackson in on the active roster just because he could blow up on you absolutely now in, in a deeper league obviously that's a different thing but you know let's say in our podcast league i still i still couldn't see it Astros rookie starting pitcher Henry Sosa earned his second straight victory. Six innings against the Pirates. Two hits, one run, seven strikeouts. And he's owning just 1% of leagues. Yeah, a couple, a couple nice starts in a row, but still not enough upside, I don't think. Not anybody to look at outside of in a lonely leagues. Thoughts on Washington's Chris Marrero, outfield eligible? I still say... Best case scenario, over his career, we might be looking at another Gabby Sanchez. This year, he doesn't seem to be playing every day. So even in in all-only leagues, he's going to be hard to recommend starting. He'll get first-base eligibility? Yeah, he, he should. I think he's got two or three games there already. Okay. Brett Laurie. Don't really have to comment here, but he's homered three times in his last seven games. He's awesome. He's owned in 80% of leagues. So if you own him, you're happy. Alejandro de Aza is not owned in 80% of leagues. He's barely owned. Three-run homer Tuesday, two home runs in four games. De Aza or Mike Trout? Whew. I'll go with Trout just in case he starts getting regular <laughs> bats. De Aza, I don't think has zero upside, but I still don't see him profiling as an everyday major leaguer. The fact that he's the preferred option to Adam Dunn now Shows just what kind of bizarro world we're living in here in baseball where Adam Dunn has this ridiculous <laughs> season where he hits 160. Uh, Trevor Cahill's garbage, Al. What do you think? Yeah, pretty smelly. <laughs> no, he's not. Yeah, Come on, well, he's so no, bad. He's well, yeah, okay. Let's put it. Yeah, well, gar- garbage is too strong. I'm, I, obviously, I've got a little bit of charge behind this because he's helping you <laughs> to, to a, a podcast league championship series with that, that start. Right. But, you know, good, good to put the brakes on that, Scott, because even with this lousy start, still 62% of Cahill's starts this year have been quality starts. And how, yeah, many, how many since the All-Star break? A lot. That's what right. I that's my point here. Over his uh in in 11 starts since the beginning of July, four have been really bad. Seven have been either good or really good. Only one of those was barely a quality start. The rest were easily quality starts. So he's got kind of a Josh Colmenter thing going on here. Is lately. it a home road thing? Uh, Partly. Yeah, big big differential in the home and road splits. Better at home. 
Yes. Keep that in mind. I know we said that last week. And this was on the road. It was at Cleveland. Five innings, five and a third, five earned. I don't know. I, I can't trust him. Wade Miley won his second straight start for the Diamondbacks. Six innings, nine hits, two earned against Colorado. You care? A little bit. Um, he did have some very nice numbers at AAA, but that was in just eight starts, and the AA numbers were not as impressive. So, you know, it's a, it's a good thing to kind of sit back and see how Miley does. Another guy that we can add to the list of, you know, sort of trials for, uh, you know, for next year's drafts, but nothing to get real excited about uh, rest of season this year. And I do really hope that he has a brother or a son at some point named Cyrus. <laughs> I do, too, actually. That thought occurred to me. Andre Ethier <laughs> listened to our show yesterday and hit a grand slam. And Alfonso Soriano homered. It traveled an estimated 445 feet, although I did not get a chance to see this one. Do you care about this? Yesterday we dismissed Alfonso Soriano, but he homered again. Well, that's what he does when he, he listened does to the something. show, too, yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> you couldn't put it better than Al did yesterday. He'll hit you home runs sometimes, but he'll never do anything else for you. Yeah. I'm paraphrasing, but... That was the gist of it. Yeah, no, that's pretty darn to a direct quote. Close, yeah. darn close. Yeah. That's right. sculpted on Al's desk here at the office. <laughs> <laughs> Quick pitch time. One player in each league do you keep an eye on? And Al's AL player is Irvin Santana. All right, and Irvin Santana is going to become my Javier Vasquez because Scott's got Javier Vasquez Day. You know, now on the calendar, <laughs> about to become a national holiday. The day that that Javier uh, Vasquez found his velocity. Well, there's there was some day. I'm going to call it June. 15th, where Irvin Santana <laughs> discovered his slider um, because uh, it's just been a dramatic change before and after that date. Um, going into June, he had an ERA uh, that was uh, above four, uh, ground ball rate in the mid 30%. Since then, ground ball rate is up close to 50%, and the ERA has been in the low twos. So he is literally, not literally, because he's the same guy, but... Mm -hmm. Virtually a different pitcher than he was the first two, two and a half months of the season. Um, and I actually had a, a nice little email exchange with our uh, senior baseball writer, Scott Miller, because he covers the West Coast teams really closely. And I said, you know, you have any clue what's going on here? And he, he had talked to a scout, and the scout attributed it to the improvement in, in Santana's slider. So, oh, nice. Yeah. So this is all legit. Too legit to quit, yeah. Okay. By the way, if Javier Vasquez pitches on Monday instead of Sunday— I don't, I'm sure they play. I hope they play Monday. Um, that will be a national holiday. He'll pitch on Labor Day, and it'll be Javier Vasquez Day. So, that, you like that? I uh, well, the sure. day the day is May 21st. Yeah. though. What's that? That's Javier Vasquez Day, the day the velocity came back. Oh, but but, but you celebrate it on a Monday in September. Every day, is, every day <laughs> Javier Vasquez pitches is Javier Vasquez is a day. national holiday. That's what I was getting at All right. there. Well, that's I, going too far. I screwed I mean, that up. Not, I screwed it up. He's not I Roy Halladay. Okay. Uh, uh, Scott's, Al, uh, Scott's AL player is Scott's, <laughs> Scott's AL player. <laughs> Scott's AL player is Josh Reddick. <laughs> yeah. We, not too long ago, we were all going crazy yeah, right? over Reddick because he was hitting 350 with an OPS over 1,000, and, and Red Sox Nation was in love with him and, and everything else. But. Since August 6th, 22 games, he is hitting 138. His season batting average is down to 281. His season OPS is down to 799. So, yeah, I, I think he's reached the end of his mixed league relevance. That's not to say he's, he's never going to contribute in fantasy again. He's only 24. He, he, he was rated, he has been rated as a high end prospect at times during his career. So, he could still very. 
he could still wind up a regular player for the Red Sox down the road. But with these struggles combined with the impending return of J.D. Drew from the disabled list on Thursday, I think we're not going to see consistent at-bats from Reddick going forward. I think this is the excuse the Red Sox need to put Drew back in the lineup. So if you're still wasting your time with Reddick, just let him go. Let him be free on the waiver wire. Al's no player. Oh, NL player, excuse me, is Orlando Hudson. Yo, dog. It's the yo, dog. <laughs> and um, he's really been surprisingly good uh, the last month or so. In fact, for the last 28 days, he is the fifth-ranking second baseman in fantasy points. And he's gotten back to being the Orlando Hudson that we knew, I would say, probably up to maybe two seasons ago, where he was a really consistent player. Now, he's always been an injury risk. But when he has played, at least you know, up to the last year or two, he's a guy who had you know, pretty good gap power, um, you know, good contact skills. This year he was striking out about 20% of the time up until recently, which is really not like him at all. Um, but he's cut down that strikeout rate, uh, hitting more line drives, the batting average is up, um, and he's, he's been a very productive guy in fantasy. So at second base where those middle-range options sometimes are a little hard to find, uh, consider using Hudson down the stretch. Hudson or Aaron Hill? Uh, yeah, right now I would definitely go with Hudson. And finally, Scott's National League player, Martin Prado. Yeah, Prado has had a rough month of August. He went over four yesterday, and his season batting average is now down to 267. And for a guy whose batting average of the last three years was 307, 307, and 320, that's a pretty significant development. And the thing about it is, it's been going on. All season, the highest his batting average has been at any point this year is 296, and that was way back on May 17th. Through it all, fantasy owners have uh, pretty much stuck with him. His starting percentage has been the 85 to 90 percent range. They they've pretty much just taken it as a given that uh, he's a must-start option. But looking back at at this whole Prado story over the last couple years. He, he was kind of in no man's land in fantasy coming into the season. Nobody was really sure where to draft him. He was eligible at weak positions. Uh, we kind of figured he'd be good, but never really great. So uh, this kind of adds a whole new wrinkle to it. On a per game basis, he has still performed a player such as Mark Reynolds this year. So he's still is clearly among the, the third baseman who should be starting more often than not. Uh, but he's not up there with the people he was drafted alongside. On a per-game basis, Chipper Jones has, has scored about as much as Prado has. So really not the production you're looking for uh, when you took him in the fifth or sixth round. So I think next year uh, he loses eligibility at second base. He'll still be drafted as a third baseman in most leagues, but not – not you. You probably shouldn't approach him as the high end guy since since you can't. Uh, th- there's not much. There's not the assurance you thought there was that he was going to hit 300. Um, so top 12 third baseman next year for sure. But top five, six, seven, eight. I, I think there's other guys I'd rather have over Martin Prado. Before we get to the emails, we've got a quick programming announcement. So you've come to know Thursday as Social Media Thursday. Tomorrow will be our last Thursday show of the season. We're still going to help you out all the way through the last time you have to set your lineup. We'll, we'll be doing podcasts, but we're going to go from four a week to three a week. We'll be there Sunday, Tuesday, and Wednesday now going forward. 
Uh, okay, let's get to the emails. DM fantasy baseball at cbs.com. Andrew is driving cross country and he wants our help. Two questions. With Euclid coming off the DL soonish, should I drop Freddie Freeman, Michael Kadire, or Kyle Seeger? You should drop Kyle Seeger. And in my mind, it's not that close. Do you like Jason Mott over Fernando Salas for the next few weeks? I do not, no. They may split some opportunities, but unless Salas blows up, I think he's going to get the majority of those opportunities. You know what LaRusso did last night, which I found weird? What did he so do? So it was a one-run game. It was 2-1, going into, or maybe one nothing, going into the ninth inning. It's bottom of the ninth in Milwaukee, so save situation for Salas. Prince Fielder led off the inning, and Salas stayed in the bullpen. Zepchinski came in and pitched to Fielder to get a lefty-lefty matchup. You don't see that with the high-end closers. They don't. They don't. They let him start the inning and finish the inning. So Zepchinski walked him. Salas came in. I think he walked Casey McGee, <laughs> and then he got out of the inning with a, a, yeah. a poor bunt from Betancourt and then a double play from Kotze. But yeah, I mean, if he were really a, a, an ace closer. You whatever that means. You don't uh, you don't bring in a lefty specialist. Well, I, I don't think that's so much a, a lack of faith in Salas is just Tony Larusa trying to reinvent the way everybody uses the bullpen again. <laughs> He's probably been doing that all year, and I'm just oblivious to it. The the whole thing is curious because up until maybe a week ago, he was not even really using Zepchinski. You know much at right, all. Obviously, he hasn't been using Zepchinski. So, all year. but this is at least the second time he's brought him into a. a pretty important situation so if he had succeeded there that would have added another little wrinkle to the story yeah uh amos in new york dear fantasy advisors i survived irene and won my division that gives me a bye this week in the first round of the playoffs i have nelson cruz so the bye gives me a little luxury to wait and see with him is it worth my time or do i just drop cruz if i do i'm considering picking up carp or kyle blanks also i'm moving you know escobar to utility or bench once hanley comes back Anyway, uh, the Cruz question: You drop him? You're not gonna. He's out at least three weeks, so you're not gonna have him until maybe the last week of the season, the fantasy week. Yeah, but I, I guess what it comes down to for me is if would Carper Blanks be somebody worth starting if you pick them up? If if not, if they're just gonna sit on your bench anyway then you might as well hold out and see if you can get something from Cruz at the end of the season. Okay, I, I missed the question, actually. The question is, it's similar, but pick two to own for the remainder of the season. Cruz, Carp, Blanks, Escobar. I think I'd go Blanks and Escobar. You kind of have so, to keep Escobar because Hanley is so uncertain. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So you, so you would cut Cruz for Blanks then? Yeah, I would. Okay. Charles in Little Rock. <laughs> Dear Kelly Johnson Obsessives. It fits. Yeah, it does. 14-team head-to-head points league. Wild card round of the playoffs start for me next week. Currently have a middle reliever filling one of my two relief pitcher spots. It's Daniel Bard. Thinking of slotting one of the two-start two SPRP eligibles from the waiver wire. Who do I pick from the following? Umber. Paulino. Luis Perez, Swarzak, Miguel Bautista. Well, this just got interesting because we just got word literally walking into the studio that Paulino was scratched from his start today. So he may not be a reliable option, which is too bad because he would have probably been the best one out of this group. Umber, uh, not clear 
how the White Sox are going to use him once he comes back, which I believe is on Monday, uh, if he'll have a regular slot in the rotation. I would think that would depend in part on how he does on Monday. So he's a wild card. So, But they're still the best two by far. Yes, they I are. I think the Perez, Swarzak, after what he did last night, and Miguel Batista. Oh, no, no, Come no. on. You can't go near Batista. So really, <laughs> it's really down to do you keep Bart or do you slot Luis Perez in there? Oy. Um, so you would go Perez over Umber then? Yeah, I would. Yeah, because at least I, I feel pretty confident. Oh, that he's, he's got the gonna... Red Sox, though. Yeah, that's true. So I guess keep Bard. I really I think they're all too risky. But what's Bard going to do? Well, probably it's not going to go league. negative for you. That's true. <laughs> so I, something I to be still said think I'd, I'd go with Umber and, and cross my fingers or – you know, until you hear more about Paulino, if Paulino looks like he's going to make those two starts, then absolutely he's the way to go. What but. about a, a one-start RP-eligible guy like Capuano or Chen, if they're available? Better Anybody's better than Bard, right? Yeah, a- anyone think so. Good, I, anyone I don't know what decent. Chen's matchup is off the top yeah. of my head, but if it looks like a good one... Well, it's, pro- it's either Oakland or Seattle, that. based yeah, on true. this. That's true. Uh, so... That might be the better way to go, assuming he's available. If he's available, right. Probably 14 teams. Probably not. Okay. That's it for today's show. Back tomorrow. Thanks, everybody. Our producer's Matt Brodsky. I'm Adam Azer with Scott White and Al Melchior, and we'll talk to you on Thursday.